What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Bermuda Championship. We'll look at the course, the players, run a custom model, and everything else in between. Real quick, speaking of that custom model, this is important. Uh, you might have seen this on Twitter. You might have received an email from me. But I have released a brand new custom model on rickrungood.com. It looks like this. Uh, this is the most robust tool that I've ever released. Uh, and it is kind of the next step in the evolution of the website. So you can now uh, go through 120 or more stats. You can do mixed strokes gained if you only wanted to see, you know, the last uh, 12 rounds of off the tee and the last 36 of approach and maybe the last 100 with the putter. Uh, you know, whatever you want, that's available to you. Course history is now available to you. Uh, specific course types and hole types. And there's just a million more stats and you can save your models now you can uh so that you can use them again later you can do wave stacking which might come in handy this week in bermuda if the wind starts kicking up there's just a lot of stuff that you can do so i'm still going to run a custom model at the end of the show where you'll see me use this in full i created a, a post about kind of the new features and kind of what might be coming next i'll link that in the description i also created a tutorial for this. I'll link that in the description, but really this is just the next step in constantly making the site better. I think a lot of you realize, you know, if, even if you go back and watch any video I did a year ago and look at the tools, they're just, I'm, I'm constantly doing my best to update them and improve them. And this was um, the next step and it was a large step. So I'm really hoping that you guys enjoy this. You'll see it constantly get improvements along with the other tools on the website. So if you haven't, if you haven't subscribed to Rick Run Good yet, I, I, I imagine you have to at this point. Okay. Uh, let's talk about this golf course. Port Royal Golf Club. You may have seen me tweet this out or talk about this. It's it's such a fun fact, I have to repeat it. There's only eight golf courses on the island of Bermuda. Uh, eight of them. But the island itself is only like 20.5 square miles. So it's actually one of the largest concentrations of golf courses for any country by square uh, miles, which is pretty cool. So uh, most of the courses are very, very short. And the longest golf course they have on Bermuda is Port Royal. Now, it's the longest one they have, but 6,800 yards on the scorecard. It's basically the shortest course that we have on the PGA Tour schedule, par 71. So when you look at some of the past results, and there's uh, three years of history for this event, but the course was also used for, they used to have like the World Cup, I think it was called the World Cup of golf, where they take the major champion, the four major champions, and they play a, a match here. So we, we've seen this course before, but the, the the three years that you're looking at are the, the Bermuda Championship years where you get the full field and kind of the, the swing season type of, of conversation. This is a golf course that basically everybody is live at, right? You know, it's why Brian Gay has had such great success. Brian Gay is one of the shortest hitters that we have on the PGA Tour, and he was having success at 47, 48, 49 years of age. You're just No one is dead because of lack of distance. Now, if you look at the correlated stats, you notice a couple of things. Uh, a couple of things show up here. Driving accuracy ranks 14th, which means there's only 13 other courses on the PGA Tour schedule in which driving accuracy was more correlated to success. You'll see driving distance ranking 25th. That's basically middle of the road. Um, you know, you see a lot of times on other golf courses, driving distance is, is much more prevalent. It's Distance is never a negative, right? Never a negative. But here it's not as big of a positive 
as it is at a lot of other courses. And then you'll notice um, strokes gained putting. That's kind of the big one here. It's ranked 10th, which means there's only nine other courses in which strokes gained putting was more important. Now, I want to remind people how this model works. This model does not look at the three years of history at the Bermuda Championship and say, guys that putted well finished near the top of the leaderboard. That would be silly to do because the guys who putt well or the guys that play well finish near the top of the board. That's kind of how that works. So it would be silly to look at just the one year or just how they did at this event or at this golf course. So what this model does is it looks at each golfer's season and then their results at every single golf course. And it starts to put together what types of players had success at each course. So the way that this reads is closer to saying guys that putted well for that season in strokes gained putting were more highly correlated to success at Port Royal Golf Club than most other courses on the PGA Tour schedule. That's really the logical, factual way to read that statement. I mean, Lucas Herbert has won this event. Uh, Denny McCarthy has had great success at this course, right? So it, th this looks at every player and every result, but just going top of mind and starting to think, okay, yeah, that, that passes the sniff test for me. It makes a lot of sense. So then what we do is... We take all you know these metrics and we apply it to whatever number of rounds you want. I've got 24 up here, and, and we see you know who is going to benefit from those types of uh, metrics up top, those types of correlations. And you'll see Justin Lauer uh, gets a very good adjusted course fit number. Thomas Dietrich as well. Ben Taylor, Cheston Hadley, Russell Knox, Cam Percy, S.H. Lee, Callum Tarrant. I could go on and on. If you're watching on YouTube, you can read through them. If you're not watching on YouTube. Uh, much appreciated. By the way, people don't realize you can listen to this, right? There's an audio version. It's exactly the same. You just can't see my screen. Um, it's called 300 Yards to Unknown. There's a link in the description. So if you download it and are listening to it like on your commute, like, yeah, that's that's possible as well. You don't have to be in front of YouTube um, to get access to, to, to the show. So really fun little golf course. A lot of guys are alive. And I will say this, before I unveil, you know, the full cheat sheet and everybody in this field, I I'm going to warn you. It's a very, very weak field, as you would expect. You're coming off a, a great week last week. This event, it's, you know, Bermuda's not particularly easy to get to. It, it doesn't draw a strong field. Let me say this. Someone's going to win the golf tournament, right? And every single one of these golfers is going to be assigned a salary. And there are going to be six golfers that end up in the optimal lineup. And they're going to make birdies. And they're going to make bogeys. And there's going to be streaks. Like, this does not change our process. I don't care how strong or weak a field is, the process is the same. We're going to find the best players and we are going to play them and we are going to bet them. So uh, I, I actually see this as more interesting, uh, more of a challenge, more exciting. And I think when you have all the data that we do and that we're going to go through, it gives you a huge edge, right? How familiar are most people with Justin Lauer? How familiar are most people with SH Kim? Well, we're going to go through all these guys. I just, I just, I hate, and I know I'm going to see it. I'm proactively uh, moaning about this. I'm going to see the, the things on Twitter like, oh, I'm taking the week off this week. What a crappy field. It's like, for sure, crappy field. Doesn't change the rest of the process. All right, let's go. Cheat sheet. The cheat sheet. Wow. Six golfers. Over $10,000. Thomas Dietrich, Denny McCarthy, Adrian Moronk, Seamus Power, Aaron Rye, Mark Hubbard. 
Okay, let's refocus here. We got the 10K names out of the way. The shock, the laughter. Now we focus. Probably going to do some deep dives on some of these guys. Uh, Thomas Dietrich someone we have been tracking for uh, quite a bit, right? Because he's been playing well. Actually, if you look at his last two starts, um, those, have been the, those have been the down starts for him. T45 at the Andalusia Masters, uh, T69 at the Shriners. But before that, it was three straight top 12s. Uh, he had a couple of good events in, you know, coming down the end of what would have been the PGA Tour season. I think what we've learned from him is that he is generally a better ball striker than most and also uh, can gain across the board. So here's his last 100 rounds. You can see he's a third of a stroke off the tee. He's a tenth of a stroke on approach, but he gains in all four major categories, which is at least uh, worth noting when you have a field like this. Um, when you start comparing him to the other guys, what do you start to see? So Denny McCarthy is your course history guy, right? So he's gone 15th, 4th, 39th. When you look at what generally plays well at Port Royal Golf Club, it's it's putting. And Denny McCarthy is, over the last five years, he's probably the best putter on, on planet Earth, right? He's been, you know, the top guy in in strokes gained putting for um, like two of the last three years. And, and he's always within the top 25, even though Lucas Herbert kind of nabbed him for king of strokes gained putting last year. But I think all in all, uh, we can we can say he's the he's the best putter on the planet. Now, what about the rest of his game? Because we've kind of seen stretches of really good golf and really good ball striking from Denny. And he is not putting well in his last two, but he's gained uh, 2.4 and 1.8 in the ball striking categories. This is a fine stat profile, right? And you have to remember him finishing T37 at the CJ Cup or even T25 at the Fortinet or two top 30s in the two playoff events. I think those go a long way uh, when you start considering what the strength of field of this event is going to be. It's it's going to be quite low. So remember, like the stat profile is not great. Actually, we could probably just look at the weighted strokes gained, right? Let's let's compare the weighted strokes gained. Okay, so this is kind of longer term, and and what weighted strokes gained is is uh, it takes into account strength of field and a, and a variety of other factors, and it tries to compare fields and courses, right? Like gaining two strokes at the U.S. Open per round is way better than gaining two strokes at the Bermuda Championship. It just it just is. So. Um, Last 50 rounds, it's about six months worth of data. Denny McCarthy is 14th in just pure raw strokes gain total. So 14th, that's still pretty good. If we go weighted, this is available on rickrungood.com. He's number one, which makes sense, right? Because we go back to that profile. These aren't finishes that'll blow your brains out, right? T25 at the Fortinet, T20 in Memphis. But when you crank up that field and realize how deep it was, because it was the playoffs, or the seventh place finish at the U.S. Open, or the T5 at the Memorial, you're talking about a lot of good results in weighted strokes gained. So I generally believe, uh, all things considered, at this moment in time, Denny McCarthy's probably the best player in this field. Uh, when you consider... The weighted stuff and the course history, I think it's fair to say Denny is kind of the guy. Um, do a little bit of a deep dive on Adrian Moronk here because he does not play uh, a ton on 
the PGA Tour, so we're going to have to kind of compare his um, his results everywhere. So his last six starts are DP World Tour events. We have the DP World Tour strokes gained breakdown when it's available, and you can see a lot of decent results here. He gained six strokes in the ball striking categories at the French Open. He's a very good driver of the golf ball. That's across both the European Tour and the PGA Tour. You can see generally gains between two and four strokes gained uh, strokes off the tee. My worry here is that that's not going to be super critical, or I don't think it's going to allow himself to, to separate himself as much as I would like now. The other thing, this is a kind of a, a rare combination of skill sets. Very good driver of the golf ball. Three quarters of a stroke off the tee. That's a ton per round. And also, two-thirds of a stroke off the tee with the putter. So his best two clubs are the longest and shortest clubs in his bag. That's rare. We do not see a lot of guys where, where that's the case. Um... Is it worrisome that he is a loser on approach? For sure. Is it a little bit worrisome that he's a loser around the green? Yeah, but he's not a big loser, and he's actually been much better as of late. He had a couple of events um, early in 2022 that are just punting that 100-round average. So I, I believe Moronk, and we'll see for you know the Wednesday live chat what the projected ownership for Moronk is going to be. I imagine just because of the kind of unknown entity He's not going to be that popular. Also, if you are using uh, models or spreadsheets that are only looking at PGA Tour data, you're not going to get a, a, an entire look at Moronk. And if you don't have the breakdown of the European Tour strokes gained, you're not going to realize how good of a driver he is in most situations. So I, I think he could be a pretty interesting kind of game theory little pivot here for just $100 cheaper than Denny McCarthy. And then Seamus Power, who has also been you know, great at this event. Um, boy, it's it's really hard to tell what version of Sheamus we're getting at the moment. You know, I was kind of ex excited about him plugging some gaps when we got to Vegas and he missed the cut there. And then um, while he finished T49 at the CJ Cup, which is what, you know, he beat 20 guys, 30 guys. It was horrendous on approach. So now we've got a trend of him losing on approach in seven straight. I'll probably just avoid this situation, right? If he comes out and he gains strokes on approach and he finishes inside the top like eight, good on you, Seamus. You beat me and I'm happy because I want to invest in you in the future. But um, this is also probably going to be the most expensive he's ever been. Um, no. Barbasol, he was 10-9. This event last year, he was 10-2. He is 10-2 again. So we're at least near the upper end of, of what his um, what his fantasy salaries have been. What about these other two guys? So Hubbard, who's kind of been a little bit of a staple in some of these like weaker field events. You know, he finished fifth at the Sanderson Farms. He finished 21st at the Fortinet. As things got more difficult, his results did not particularly come around. Um, and then I want to look at Aaron Rye. Rye is not a name that we have seen as much as of late. But these are good results. T5 at the Italian Open gained nine strokes ball striking there. In fact, I'll tell you what, um, that was also the event that Kurt Kitayama gained like seven in the ball striking categories. And that was like, oh man, Kitayama's about to pop. Um, thought it might have been in Vegas. It wasn't. It, it, it ended up being in South Carolina, but uh, I guess close enough. Uh, 36th at the Zozo. That's about beating half the field. 20th in Las Vegas. This is a pretty good stretch of golf for Aaron Rye, right? You know, he's a, he's a talented player. He, again, not a big gainer in any one category, although approaches his best category. Uh, gaining across the board in his last 100, which is exciting to see. So, the way that I look at this 10K range, I think all things considered, Denny McCarthy's probably the best 
player, play, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think there's an opportunity for Moronk to be kind of a pivot, and I think that Aaron Rye is stout. I'll probably take a pass on power. We'll see what Dietrich comes in at. He's kind of trending in the wrong direction, but I like the longer-term stuff. And then Hubbard, I think, is fine, but for 10K and some of the names that you can get in the 9K range, I think there's kind of some more exciting options. I want to take a second to talk about Athletic Greens, which has become a staple in my daily routine. And for those of you who have been following for a while, you know that I take gut health very seriously. So I started taking AG1 as an attempt to get everything down there under control. And I've been taking it for a few weeks and I feel much better throughout the day. I'm having way less acid reflux and I've been able to stay focused for longer when I'm sitting in front of a computer. It's one scoop of a green drink that I take first thing in the morning. And I know what you're thinking, a green drink? Like, trust me, I've, I've tried all of them and most have a chalky or a chunky taste to them, which is not great. Most smell horrible. I'll, I'll admit all of that. Uh, athletic Greens for me bucks that trend. It's smooth. There's there's no chunks. The smell is is just fine, and it's easy enough for me to get get it down when I take it at 5:30 in the morning. It's legit 75 high quality vitamins, probiotics, and adaptogens. So it's no surprise that I'm actually feeling better. And when I rattle off the benefits, it sounds like it's going to be really expensive. Uh, it's quite reasonable. It comes out to about three dollars a day, and I tell my wife all the time. There is no price that I wouldn't pay to feel good, especially gut stuff, because it controls so much other things that go on in your body. So imagine paying $3 a day to feel good. That's some of the best ROI I could ever imagine. Um, so if you want to get involved, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. Uh, visit athleticgreens.com slash 300 yards. Again, that's athleticgreens.com 300 yards to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I think all the money gets won and lost in the 9K range. We can, we can agree that the guys are in the 10K range are not tangibly a ton better than the guys in the 9K range, right? Is Alex Smalley significantly worse than Mark Hubbard or Seamus Power or Adrian Moronk? Probably not. And he's like $1,000 cheaper, $700 cheaper than some of those guys. Um, Justin Lauer, th this is so it's so funny how this works with him because he gets, um, you know, we've seen like he's been like the bubble boy on the FedEx Cup like two years in a row, and you see like the emotional stuff. He's not just that guy that pops off one tournament a year. He's been really good. T20 in Vegas, T45 at the Sanderson, T4 at the Fortinet. The Then he two Corn Ferry Tour events, which he was ninth and 26th. This is now seven straight events, 36th or better. That's not true. 45th or better. Uh, but a lot of top 25s, a couple of top 10s, solid across the board. Right, he basically gained across the board at, at in Las Vegas. He he did gain across the board at the Fortinet. He's he's a solid all around golfer. If you go back to that course key stats model, it was Lauer who was number one in the last twenty four rounds for the adjusted fit because his skill set matches up in theory what the math says you're looking for around Port Royal. Um, doesn't get knocked for being shorter off the tee than everybody else because he's shorter than most. He gets the the big boost on on putting. Uh, that's exciting. So 
interesting play for Justin Lauer at at 99. Um, SH Kim, I think if you played him last week like I did, you came out very disappointed, but you probably have to go back to him one more time. Um, I'll I'll swallow I'll swallow that and and try to get him one more time here. So let's pull up his his golfer profile. Loses 5.6 strokes on approach. That's the worst that we've got in his shot link era. Loses a stroke off the tee. That's the worst that we have in the shot link era. He is a very good putter. He's gained in all four that we have of this season. His round the green play, solid, and he's usually a much better ball striker. Um, I just think you got to give him one more crack here, right? I mean, look at the results. They're they're stout. I'm I was kind of ups, not upset, but like I did not get what I wanted out of him last week. But at ninety six hundred dollars. The putting prowess on a golf course that should reward that. Um, he is a good enough ball striker that if this thing gets super windy, he can find the center of the club face. I think we got to give him one more crack. Grayson Sig, Steven Yeager, both kind of these higher upside. Um, I probably like them more for like first round leader or showdown or kind of in smaller sample sizes, but we've seen them put together a couple of good finishes. Sig has started to really figure it out. Finished ninth at Sanderson um, at Sanderson Farms. We've got Yeager who basically can put together like two or three good rounds a week. You're just trying to avoid the one bad round. And now that we have a cut, you're hoping that that if it, if it happens, it happens on, on Saturday or Sunday. But look at these results. You know, these are seven top 46s in a row. And again, you're not going to get a field better. Wait, what am I trying to say? This field will be weaker than all of those fields is what I'm getting at. Um, So when you've got seven top 40s in a row with a 13th and a fifth in that stretch, and now you're going to the weakest field that you've played in during that, I think it's pretty good. He finished 20th here last year. Russell Knox, you could argue that... Over the last 100 rounds or 150 rounds, something like that, like whatever the whatever you consider like long term baseline is, um, he might be the best player in this field. The worry for him is that he's a very bad driver of the golf ball, but again, not a huge issue here, right? Because um, if you drive it in the rough. You're fine. I mean, this is a resort course, right? Like, this is where you go and play on vacation. Uh, he's very, very short off the tee. In fact, one of the shortest on tour, but doesn't matter. He's 207th in driving distance this current season. He was 152nd last year, and it's just not it's just not going to hurt you. He's actually, I shouldn't even say he's that, all that inaccurate. Um, he probably only has a couple of rounds this year, and he's 135th in driving accuracy, but last year in a much bigger sample size, he was he was 19th. So um, that doesn't hurt you here. And then despite the horrors uh, off the tee, he is kind of being that that approach player that we know and love, right? He plus five at Sanderson Farms, plus three and a half at the Fortinet, plus 3.3 at, at Wyndham, plus seven at the Scottish Open. Uh, the rest of his game, fine. So I wouldn't mind going back to a guy with really good course history, 12th, 16th, and 11th here. But the guy that I think I like the most in the 9K range is Robbie Shelton. And again, this is kind of like, do, do you have an edge because golf is a global game? And if you have the stats from... All over the world, including Corn Ferry and uh, DP World Tour, you're able to get a better view of Moronk. You're able to get a better view of Robbie Shelton because Robbie Shelton has three PGA Tour starts as a full-time member this season. T21 at Fortinet, T61 at Sanderson Farms, T15 at the Shriners. But you go back a little bit further. We've got... um, A win, a couple starts before that in August on the Corn Ferry Tour. A runner-up a few weeks prior to that. Uh, A month prior to that, another win. 
right? I mean, he had a very, very good high upside Corn Fairy Tour season. It's how he got his card. And now he comes out here and he's gaining in the ball striking categories. He's a very good putter. He is uh, just like these guys, I think, and I know this is a a narrative street and I, I generally try to stay away from this, but this is like when you're one of these young guys who just earned their way onto the PGA Tour and you've started off your season pretty good, two top 25s, right? And you're like, great, this is a nice start. And you get this field. You are licking your chops. I don't know what the combined PGA Tour wins of this field is. It's not a lot. So those guys are looking at this like, I can just cement myself right now, win this thing, or go out and have a really good week, give myself a chance. Remember, it's only top 70 getting cards uh, this year. So you got to like get started early and often. These guys are licking their chops. Robbie Shelton, I think, is... um. Probably my favorite. We'll see how he actually grades out when we get to the model, but I I, I do like what he's been able to put together. As we enter the 8K range, um, let me do a couple of things here. Let's pull up the Port Royal history and see how we've done here. So what you'll see is this 8K range doesn't have a ton of the top players in terms of strokes gained at Port Port Royal. Uh, Harry Higgs, number one, 3.6. That was a runner-up finish in 2019. He's 6,500. Brian Gay, who's just demolished his place. We'll talk about him in a second. Um, Alex Smalley's only got four rounds, 9,500. So you're kind of looking like, where are these where are these 8K guys at? And the first one you get to is Austin Eckroat. It was last year. It's only four rounds. It was a T22. Is there anybody in the 8K range that has two years of good history. Um, the first guy is Michael Gligic, $8,100, T53 and T11. So what I'm kind of getting at here is, yes, we've got some guys with decent course history. Uh, we also have guys that when they play well, they kind of graduate out of this, right? So Lucas Herbert is not defending his title right? Which is kind of rare. And I don't know if he thinks, I don't know what he thinks, but like, does he think he's graduated out of this? You know, we only see guys kind of not defend their title when it's like alternate field events or when it's a guy who's clearly a stud, like Morikawa after he won Barracuda, like he didn't go back and defend it, right? Like he was, by the time it came back around, he was Colin Morikawa, right? So it's just, it's weird where you don't have a lot of course history and you get an influx of guys who are playing and who are young. So it's, it's kind of a bizarre situation and it's kind of a dead zone in the 8k range. Um, there's a couple of names that I think that I think are worth looking at. Will Gordon is just straight up like raw, you know, last, I don't know, 24, 36 rounds. Like Will Gordon's name is going to pop up a lot. I'm probably not, um, as excited about that, right? Because you're, you're getting a lot of, you know, weaker field events, although this is certainly a weak field event. But here's his stat profile, right? He gets that win at uh, Albert's Boise Open. So here, I mean, it's been a, it's like, listen, don't, don't, I'm not going to knock him. It's been a great stretch. Fifth, fifth win. Those were his uh, last couple events on the, on the Corn Ferry Tour. Then T46, T26 on the Corn Ferry. Then this year, it's three finishes between 30th and 44th in which he's gained strokes in the ball striking categories. And all of them, as I was talking, I think I got more and more interested in Will Gordon, right? Like, um, that's probably better than I thought it was. He played this event two years ago. He finished 34th. So if you're just looking at like the pure strokes gain total, Will Gordon shows up a lot. He hasn't lost strokes since nine starts ago. That was in July. It was a Corn Ferry Tour event. He lost 3.8. He missed the cut. Otherwise, he's gained to the field since then. And again, 
very, very weak field this time around. Um, Callum Taron, I think, is potentially a guy that could win you all the money. He is uh, boomer bust, feast or famine, what, whatever you want to use to describe him. Uh, it generally comes down to whether or not he's going to hit his approach as well. Um, when he loses strokes on approach, he generally misses the cut or does not have a good week. When he gains strokes on approach, which he is capable of gaining two, three, four, five, he's going to have a really good week. So just going back his last handful of PGA Tour starts, it's miscut 13th, miscut, miscut 27th, 20th, 7th, 22nd, miscut T6, right? So that's, he's either missing the cut or finished finishing 27th or better with top 10 upside. Again, now he gets a weak field. He's a very good putter. He is volatile in all the right ways. His approach play could be negative two and a half or plus five and a half. His putter could be minus seven or plus seven. This is a very good stat profile for a guy who you just might say snaps off and wins a weak field event at $8,200. Um, I think that's a very, very fair stat profile. The con contrast to young guys licking their chops for a win early is like a savvy vet like Adam Shank, who's playing well coming in and looks at this field and is like, yeah, no, I'm going to win this, right? Like, I I'm, I'm, I'm going to win this and uh, I'll just lock up my card for another couple of years because I feel great about my game and these guys can't compete with me. And he's got a T12 in Las Vegas, a T16 at the Zozo, obviously a much better field there. His ball striking numbers are solid. He gained five and a half on approach in Las Vegas. He gained five last season in Memphis. He gained six and a half at the 3M Open. He gained seven at the Memorial. He's capable of having these really, really good weeks. Does he have a history around this place? Uh, yes. T uh, a 26th place finish in 2021, so two seasons ago. That's not, I go by season here. So that was two years ago. He finished 26, and he's playing some really good golf right now in a lot of the ways that you would like him to play golf. So Shank is interesting. Adam Long's even interesting because it's a short course. Um, Callum Taron, I think, is, is quite interesting. And Will Gordon are probably the, the cream of the 8K range. These guys are probably all going to be quite like cheap and easy to buy on jock market, jock market, stock market, DFS. Um, actually shorting a lot of the top guys is probably the way to do it, especially if we get a wind, a wind break. So last week, Kurt Kitayama's IPO was 364. That's what you buy him at per share. Um, finished at $20 a share because of the second place finish. So you made 16 bucks a share. You actually made more investing in Kurt Kitayama than if you did on Rory McIlroy, uh, which is kind of cool. So this is stock market DFS. You buy, you sell, you trade. You can now short guys in IPO. So if you look at Seamus Power and you say, oh my God, Seamus Power is probably going to IPO at like $8 this week, something like that. I just do not like that. I'm, I'm going to short him uh, and he misses the cut. Like you are in to make a ton of money off of that. So Joe Idoni and myself, we do a power hour every Wednesday night. It'll be 8, 15 PM Eastern time, uh, this week on the Rick run good YouTube channel. You'll be able to, uh, buy, sell short shares of golfers. And then you can live trade throughout. And it's really just a, a different way to get exposure. Cheston Hadley, who I believe is in the seven K range is averaging 134% ROI in his last 10 cash markets. You could buy him on average for 282. He finishes at 576. You're making three bucks a share. I know what my portfolio, my real life portfolio looks like. Uh, and it's not anything close to what these guys are returning. Maybe I should just be completely my retirement plan should be jock market maybe that's what it should be um 
there's a code in the or there's a link in the description. Code Rick gets you a hundred dollar deposit bonus. Have fun. It's it's great. They're doing a good job. Okay, so I flipped the seven k range around and just sorted by strokes gain total. Let's not forget Sam Stevens, right? So Sam Stevens, who has not played, I believe, since Sanderson, which is like what is that a month ago? Almost three weeks ago. First first week of actually it started in September, but ended. October 2nd, um, made the cut at the Sanderson Farms, missed it at the Fortinet. So it has not been the start to his PGA Tour season as he would like, but this was a great stretch from him and a very anti-Corn Ferry Tour resume where he just like piled up top 20s and like didn't win anything. It's like not generally how a lot of guys graduate from the Corn Ferry Tour. Usually it's like, hey, I won once, I won twice, and then I missed the cut a lot of other times. But a very solid golfer. You can see just gains a ton of strokes to the field, has got to figure out uh, a little bit about the the PGA Tour skill set, but hey, the, the the strength of field might be closer to a Corn Ferry Tour event this week. I just think it's worth remembering. Hasn't played in a bunch of weeks, still out there. Um, Cheston Halley, who I showed in the jock market, he's kind of boomer bust. Kevin Yu, can we talk about Kevin Yu? So now a full time member, and the first three starts on the PGA Tour this season, th- they leave a lot to be excited about um 4.4 ball striking in las vegas 4.9 sanderson farms four at the fortinet this is elite level ball striking this is 13 strokes gained in the ball striking categories in oh my god it's not even 12 rounds it's in 10 rounds so if you look up everybody's last i mean he was winning it in everybody's last 12 rounds um so let's just do that let's just do last 12 rounds for everybody strokes gained on uh let's do the ball striking categories number one player in this field 1.35 nick hardy's next sean o'hare mj duffy charlie hoffman uh in fact a lot of those got three of those guys are in the seven seven k range you duffy hoffman but that's impressive now i understand the problem he's not a good putter uh, although he hasn't been as bad in his last two starts. He lost six in Napa. Then he was even at Sanderson Farms and finished T19. Lost two at in Vegas and finished T37. So that's the concern here, especially on a golf course that is so closely correlated to um, putting success. But like, if things start to get really windy, Right, you get that 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 ocean breeze from uh, from the you know Bermuda trade winds or whatever they they have. Ball striking, finding the center of the club face, it's a big deal. Kevin, you can do that. Ben Griffin's here as well. Um, he doesn't have a headshot. I should probably get him a headshot. But th- this is he grades out well in a lot of models, right? He's a, he's a, he's a decent ball striker, at least a decent player on approach. Um, the putter's kind of all over the place. He finished fourth, at the Wyndham. He's got, he's coming off of two. Okay. Finishes, right. A T 24 at the Sanderson farms, a T 60 at the Shriners. He ends up grading out well in a lot of situations. And the further back you go, you can get some really good, like he had a really good, um, corn fairy tour year. Like 2022 was a great corn fairy tour year for him. He, he gained 10 or more strokes, like, five times which is just very impressive stuff so he the longer you go back and if you use the corn fairy tour stuff you're going to get some pretty good grades on ben griffin um i'm kind of lukewarm on it more like a six out of ten uh compared to some of these some of these other guys in this range flip it back around here and look at um by salary you know ryan armor right don't we get five or six events a year in which 
Ryan Armour's lack of distance does not kill him, and it's why he's gone eighth, eighth, sixty seventh at this event, and he's actually probably playing pretty, pretty, pretty good golf here. So twenty um, second on the Corn Ferry Tour, the Nationwide. Then he finished fifth at the Finals, missed two cuts in this new season, but the cut he made was a thirteenth at Sanderson Farms. So there's a little bit of a, a cheaper course history guy. I want to do a, a deeper dive into MJ Duffy because he popped up and he does not. Let's see. See what MJ's been up to. I feel like the um, the live chat this week is going to be like, hey, can you just do a deep dive on like this random golfer and also these like 65 other random golfers? Um, yeah, this is going to be tough, right? So he's lost like 12 or 13 strokes putting in three starts this year. And this is, again, a course that we think probably pretty heavily correlates to putting. So actually, let's just do that. Let's just do everybody in the 7K range sorted by strokes game putting. Chesson Hadley up there, Harry Hall, Sam Ryder. And Harry Hall is coming off. So this is where it's kind of tough. Harry Hall is coming off a great finish in Las Vegas, but we kind of knew that was coming. It's his home course. Now what do we do, right? I kind of shrug my shoulders on Harry Hall here. Um, I'll pull up his stat profile so you can see it. He lost like 12 strokes from tee to green in his first two starts of the season. Two horrible missed cuts. Then he goes to the course he's most familiar with in the entire world probably and finishes T15. And now you're just like throw up your hands. What which, which version do you expect? I, I love Harry. I kind of expect the other version. I need to see I need to see a guy play better at a course he's not a member at. Um, now, if he plays well in Bermuda, I think we're going to get access to a pretty cheap, pretty interesting golfer moving forward, but I think I need to see it just one more time. All right, let's do the sixes, and then I'm really just kind of excited to get to the the, the new model um, and see what's what's going on there. I'm probably out on Brian Gay, right? I, I get it. He's won this event, finished third, finished 12th. He's dominant here. He's been better on the Champions Tour, but like... Since that win, he's missed like 24 of his of, of his next 36 cuts on the PGA Tour. He is, um, I actually don't even think he's playing as good as he would probably have expected on the Champions Tour, right? He's got a couple of decent finishes as of late, a T6 last week, a T5 a couple of weeks ago. But like Brian Gay, who just, when you just turn 50 and you're like a PGA Tour grinder, you should be feasting on the Champions Tour. Like T41, T38, like that's not, it's not great. And then the events that he has played on the PGA Tour in that stretch, July, miscut, miscut, WD. So, like, I get it. People are going to go play Brian Gay, and they're going to take the course history, and he's going to be whatever percent owned. I'm just going to skip out on that and um, find something else to do with my time. Aaron battley has been playing much better, has he not? Look at that. It's it's a couple of Corn Ferry Tour events in the Fortinet, but everything between 28th and 36th, approach play good, positive putter, struggles off the tee. I don't particularly care about that here. So we're getting we're getting some decent options. What's Cody Gribble been up to? It's not bad. One, two, three. Finished 12th at the Pinnacle Bank Championship. He's played one PGA Tour event this year. He finished 30th at Sanderson Farms. I think that was on past champion status. Okay. I, I can't wait. Let, let's 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 run a model. Um so here it is. Brand new custom model, rickrungood.com. We have a lot more stats available to us now. So here's what I'm going to do. Oh, man, I could get super freaky with this. So let's do... All right. Last 36 of weighted strokes gain total. And I think that's going to be important because um, very weak field. 
So I want to give the guys that play on the PGA Tour and play well enough regularly in deeper field events, I want to give them credit for that. Now I want to do mixed strokes gain because I can, right? So let's say guys that are hitting it well, ball striking, in the last 12. So I'm going to put five on strokes gained off the tee last 12 and five on strokes gained approach in the last 12, which gives me 10 weights on strokes gained ball striking in the last 12. Then what I will do is I want um, longer term putters. So like strokes gained putting last 120 weights there. It's a lot. I still have 55 left remaining. Let's do um, course history. So let's put 10 on Port Royal, strokes game Port Royal, and then like a couple other coastal courses, right? So let's put like five on Pebble and what else could I do? Corrales? Although we don't get, um, well, we could do, that would just be strokes game total at Corrales. Let me think about this. Like maybe like Wiley. Okay, that's in Hawaii. So we'll put five there. So I have 35 left. The other thing is, I love this so much. So I've got 35 left. So the scorecard, um, the unique aspect of the scorecard is that three of the port four par fours, which are the hardest holes on the course, are over 200 yards. So I could put 10 there. And then there are like a bunch of really short par fours, uh, like under 400 yards. Let me count how many there are. I think I'm counting six. So we'll put um, 10 on par fours from 350 to 400. We've got 15 left. I, I think I'm just going to put the last 15. Oh, you know what I could do? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put five on um, strokes gained easy, easy courses. And then here's, watch, watch what else I'm going to do here. I'm going to go under scoring and I'm going to put my last 10 on implied win percentage. Yeah, I got the odds flowing in here now. So look at this. I've, I've just absolutely uh, cranked this up here. Okay, I, I love this. I've got weights spread out. I've got all my 100. Did you see that it was loading as it was changing and calculating as I was going through there? So you were seeing the changes. So I don't even get the big reveal. You already know if you're watching that my number one golfer here is Denny McCarthy um, by a pretty wide gap. His, his, his value is 88. Chesson Hadley, Grayson Sig, they're next. They're at 81 apiece. Justin Lauer is number four. Seamus Power, five. Thomas Dietrich, six. There's Will Gordon, seven. Patrick Rogers, we didn't talk about eight. Um, Callum Terran, nine. Adam Shank, 10. Great. I love, I mean, awesome. Those were guys that we all talked about. Here's Patrick Rogers. So now what you can do is you can also look across here. So Patrick Rogers, eighth in strokes gained, in weighted strokes gained total. He loses a little bit on par threes for 200 yards or longer. He's 15th in par fours from 350 to 400. His ninth in implied win percentage. Uh, second in strokes gained off the tee in the last 12. I love this. Can I tell you how happy I am with this? So these little little metal icons to show you first, second, and third, like I'm, I'm, just, I'm just thrilled. I'm just absolutely thrilled. So, um, oh, God, this is the first time I've had, I've been able to use it like in this way for a full field. I just, oh God, I love it. Okay, so <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, I'm so proud of this and and there's going to be, I've got more ideas and I've got things. I'm 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 going to continue to develop this and everything else on the site, but um, really, really happy with the way this came out. And I, I hope you guys um, see it and 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 enjoy it as, as much as I am. So really, really cool stuff here. I could stare at this screen all day, but I guess I'll spare you 
I'll spare, I'll spare you the time. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Honestly, you know, I don't always, but like the reason I can make improvements on the website is because people care and follow and like subscribe to the site and care about this as much as I do and enjoy it as much as I do. So it, you know, seriously, thank you. It's, it's unbelievable. And, um, yeah, I'm just stoked for it. So more, more content coming this week, Wednesday, live chat, Wednesday, jock market power hour. Andy and I'll do a betting preview for Tuesday. Um, and I've got a, I've got a, another video coming probably Thursday that again, I hope, I hope you're excited about it's just going to be further commitment to fantasy golf. So hopefully that'll come out on Thursday of this week. But uh, for now, tweet me at Rick Rungood. Leave a comment below. Best of luck this week, and I'll talk to you guys soon.